Good morning. Scripture reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. You can follow in your bulletin or in your Bibles. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord, and it is absolutely true, and it's given to us in love. Well, good morning. At the beginning of 2021, many of us had renewed hope. But as we are nearing the end of the year, we recognize that as a country, we have not become unified. COVID-19 didn't go away. Nature isn't flourishing. The racial tension didn't disappear. The economy isn't improving. The education system is still broken, and the poor haven't gained any traction. We are still waiting. Advent is a season in our church calendar that reminds us what we are waiting for. It's bigger than the economy. It's bigger than nature, COVID-19, our justice system, or any particular political figure or party. Isaiah gives us the real hope that the Israelites waited 600 years for and that we have been waiting 2,000 years for. The good news this morning is Jesus is coming. Over the next several Sundays, we're going to be defining who Jesus is. Jesus is the real king. Jesus is the real priest. And Jesus is the real prophet. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with hope as we prepare for 2022, be encouraged because Jesus is born, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus was raised from the dead, and Jesus is coming again. Now this morning we begin by looking at Jesus, the coming king. 
And from our text, I want us to consider two things this morning. First, King Jesus comes with judgment. And then secondly, King Jesus comes with healing. Let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful this morning for the opportunity and the privilege to come and worship you. Lord, we recognize over these last days we have the opportunity to break bread together, to give thanks. And for some of us, the holidays were rich and wonderful and beautiful and full of joy. But for others of us, the holidays were difficult and painful. Lord, would you meet us this morning? Would you give us ears to hear afresh and anew about your kingly office? And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you can open your bulletins or I encourage you to open your Bible to Isaiah 11. And the first thing that I want us to look at is that Jesus comes with judgment. Now in the Old Testament, the monarchy was established to bring about peace, prosperity, and welfare of the Israelites. King David, he was the prototype king for Israel. In 2 Samuel 8 verse 15, Samuel writes, So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all his people. But in the time of Isaiah, the Davidic line was in great jeopardy. The northern kingdom had fallen, and the southern kingdom was about to be overrun by the Babylonians. The Israelites were suffering greatly at the hands of foreign oppressors. It is in this context that Isaiah prophesies of a coming king. Look with me at verse 1. He writes, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Isaiah is very purposeful here with his pronouncement of the coming king. Telling the Israelites that yes, a king will come and he will be from the line of Jesse, David's father. But your wait will be extremely long. In fact, it'll be when there is only the stump of David's tree still remaining. But from this stump, God will raise up a new king. A shoot will grow from the stump, and a branch from his, his roots shall bear fruit. And nearly 600 years later, when Israel had all but lost hope, Jesus, the shoot from the stump, was born. King Jesus came into our world to mete out justice, to protect the vulnerable to provide for his people, and to ultimately establish his kingdom. Matthew confirms Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 22, telling his readers that Jesus was from the line of David. But unlike David, Jesus is king of kings. For even King David himself calls Jesus Lord and Savior. So after this pronouncement in verse 1, Isaiah reminds us that the strength of a leader, the strength of the king, 
comes from within. Character matters. In verse 2, Isaiah writes, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. As you look at verse 2, you'll notice that Isaiah begins with the Spirit. Then he offers three sets of attributes. And if you add all of those up together, you get the number seven, which in the Old Testament is a number representing completion and perfection. Isaiah is saying Jesus is the complete and perfect king. Not because how he looks or how he dresses or what college he went to. He is a perfect king because the spirit of the Lord rests on him. And this spirit provides the necessary character traits for him to carry out his kingly office. First, the spirit provides wisdom and understanding. Jesus possesses the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. He listens and understands his people Secondly, the Spirit enables Jesus to offer counsel with might. Jesus listens to those around him. He assesses the situation. And then he rightly applies wisdom to them. He counsels them with meekness. And then thirdly, Isaiah says, Jesus, he knows and trusts God. Jesus loves his heavenly father. He listens to him. He humbles himself before him. And he respects him. And then in verse 3a, Isaiah says, Jesus delights in and reveres God. As a result of the Spirit resting on him and these internal qualities, Isaiah informs us in verse 3b, That Jesus shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear only. No, Jesus is not just going to use his senses as he reigns as king. He's also going to draw from the Holy Spirit who is within him. And the wisdom and the understanding and the counsel that he possesses. It is from this internal place that he is going to. To lead. And it is from this internal place that he is going to pour out his judgment. Look at verse 4. He shall judge the poor and, des- and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Jesus, in his kingly office, serves to mediate God's justice in the world and to administer wisely the life of the kingdom. King Jesus, he protected the poor and sought equity for the disenfranchised. He pushed back against the forces of evil and the systems that sought to exploit and minimize human dignity. And he always judges the heart rightly 
and seeks to bring about the peace, prosperity, and welfare of his people. We see this as King Jesus boldly confronts Herod and calls him a fox. And then he calls the Pharisees who are abusing their power a brood of vipers. We see this in Matthew chapter 12 as Jesus curses the fig tree with his breath and then proceeds to cleanse the temple due to man's idolatry. We see this in Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. In John 4, Jesus seeing this woman, he doesn't turn his face from him as many of the men in that culture would do, but instead he knew that she had dignity because she was created in God's image. And he sought her. And he sought to free her from a life of sexual exploitation. A life. And he called her to a life where her most intimate desires could be met in him and him alone. We see this as King Jesus provides food for the hungry, feeding the 5,000 and then later feeding the 4,000. We see this as Jesus pursues outcasts like Zacchaeus and calls him down out of a tree and then shocks the world by going and eating with him. King Jesus is the author of seeking justice and equity for all men, women, and children. He started the revolution of protecting the poor and weak. King Jesus is as woke as woke could ever get. And King Jesus is calling us to join in his revolution. He's calling us to participate in the kingly office. He's calling us to protect the vulnerable, to speak for the powerless, to seek equity and justice for the oppressed. But unlike many in our culture today, our efforts must always, must always be tethered to Jesus. Any social movement that's not tethered to him will ultimately, history proves, will ultimately lead to corruption. But he's calling us to take up this kingly office, to bow our hearts to him. And with humility and wisdom and in the power of the Spirit, he's calling us to bring about justice and equity and peace in our world. I understand that the Advent season, God might be calling you and I to take up the kingly office, to join King Jesus, to work out this judgment for the poor and the disenfranchised. I love Dan and Rachel's heart for the family room. I love the thought of us coming alongside of these children that have been cast aside, the weak among us, and us generously giving to them. And so I'd encourage you, maybe one opportunity for us to practice this kingly office is as we leave here today, to go to that tree in the lobby, to take some of those cards, and maybe not give our kids a present or two, but instead to take that money so that we can support the family room. 
I'd encourage you this Saturday to maybe not go do your normal routine, but instead to come to Hope Chapel and to serve and out of the garden so that we might feed the hungry in our city. I encourage you to look around your neighborhood and where there's injustice to speak words of justice. Jesus is the coming king and he comes with justice to care for the poor, the disenfranchised, and he's calling us individually and corporately to do likewise during this Advent season. So the first thing we see is that King Jesus comes in judgment. Secondly, in our text this morning, we see that King Jesus, he comes in healing. In the Lord of the Rings, there's a great scene where Aragorn comes to the bedside of Mary, who had been struck down in battle. Tolkien writes this, And so last but not least, Aragorn comes to the bed in which Mary lies. Pippin sits anxiously beside his friend, fearing that he might die. But Aragorn speaks words of reassurance. Do not be afraid. I came in time, and I have called him back. He is weary now and grieved, and he has taken a hurt like the Lady Eowyn, daring to smite that deadly thing. But these evils can be amended. So strong and gay a spirit is in him. His grief he will not forget, but it will not darken his heart. It will teach him wisdom. And so Aragorn reaches past all the anxiety, self-doubt, and fear that has beset Mary on a journey that has been almost too much for his conscious self. And he reaches within to what Mary truly is, one that is both strong and gay. We saw both with Faramar and Ewan that when Aragorn crushes the leaves of Alethus and sprinkles them onto the bowl of steaming water, that the fragrance that rises to fill the room speaks of the true self and calls it forth from the dark tomb created by the black breath. And so it is with Mary. When the fragrance of the Alethus stole through the room like the scent of orchards and of a heather in the sunshine full of bees, suddenly Mary awoke and he said, I am hungry. What is the time? In this moment, Mary and Pippin realized for the first time that Aragorn is the king, for he has hands which heal. Likewise, in Isaiah Chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, we read that King Jesus comes with healing. Isaiah writes, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the goat, and the clad and the lion and fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear, they shall graze their young. They shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hold of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adler's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. 
as the waters cover the sea. In these verses, Isaiah paints this incredible vision of healing, of restoration. Because King Jesus, he comes, he comes with healing hands to heal and restore individuals and to heal the world. Jesus is healing nature. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard lie down with the young goat. We see glimpses of this as King Jesus tames the wild donkey on which he rides into Jerusalem. Jesus is healing men, women, and children. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. One of my favorite stories is in the Gospel of Mark. Jairus comes because his daughter is sick. And he comes to Jesus and he begs him, falls on his knees and says, please come to my house and heal my daughter. And what does King Jesus do? He says, okay, I'll go. And as he goes, a woman who had been bleeding for many years sees him at a distance. And she says, if I can just touch the heel of his garment, I'll be healed. And what does she do? She fights through the crowd and she reaches out and she touches his garment and immediately the bleeding stops. And Jesus turns around knowing that power had gone out from him, healing power. And he asks, who's touched me? And the disciples are like, you're crazy. Everybody's touching you. And he says, no, someone has touched me. And, and the woman comes and she bows before him. And he says to the woman, you have been healed. He had already healed her physically, but he also wanted to heal her socially. He wanted her to be restored to the community. And then Jesus goes on to Jairus' house. And when he gets there, he's been told that the daughter is dead. You don't need to bother with her, Jesus. And Jesus shakes them off, goes up to her room, grabs her hand, and says, little girl, wake up. And with those healing hands, he snatches her from the darkness of death and gives her new life. Our King Jesus has come to heal the world. He has come to bring physical healing. We see this through the healing of the brokenness that exists between the animals. We see this as he heals in our environment. We see this as he heals individuals. We see this ultimately as he brings healing and restoration between us and our Heavenly Father. I wonder this morning, as we begin the Advent season, where do you need Jesus' healing? Is there something physical, a disease that is besetting your body? Or maybe besetting a friend's body or a family member's body? Is there something relational that's broken between you and your spouse or you and your kids or you and some friends that needs Jesus' healing touch? Is there something spiritually broken within you where you need Jesus to come and to offer his healing hands to touch you. King Jesus has come in healing. He has come to make all things new and to heal all things. And like with his kingly office, he invites us not only to join him in, in caring for the oppressed and the disenfranchised, he also invites us to join him in his healing ministry. 
We see this as we seek to bring healing to nature, as we do our part to recycle and to care for the environment around us. The Spirit is upon those who profess faith in Jesus. And He wants us to use our hands to bring healing. And through the pandemic, we've rightly praised and thanked our nurses, our doctors, our first responders as they practice this kingly office. But as I was thinking about this this week, we have a group of people amongst us that not only have been practicing this healing throughout the pandemic, their offices are slammed post-pandemic because of the hurt and pain that has resulted from the pandemic. And those people are the counselors among us. Holden, Sabrina, Emmett, Hannah, Kaz, and probably others that I have not mentioned. These men and women have dared to enter the brokenness in people's lives. They've dared to invite them in to hear their stories and to invite Jesus into the room so that they might bring healing. Their kingly work has helped us get through this pandemic. And their kingly work continues today and tomorrow. Jesus is the king who brings healing. Jesus is the king who comes in judgment. And at this table, we can see the convergence of both. At this table, like at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. All who profess faith are welcome. The poor, the disenfranchised, the rich, the educated, the uneducated, white, black, Asian. Jesus says, all who profess faith in me, come, feast with me, so that I might fill your hearts and your souls, so that I might offer healing to you. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. 